0: This is Sandy Clough and Sean Tar on Mile High Sports. Welcome to the show. I'm Sean Sandy. Good to talk to you today about a whole bunch of things going on. We like doing a, every team every day right here on Mile High Sports. We'll start, of course, with the Denver Broncos. Sandy, the Broncos, after we wrapped up yesterday, added P Pirine the backup to Joe Mixon, who at many times in the playoff run for the Bengals actually looked to be the more effective back. They added P. Piranus 27 on a two-year deal. Your thoughts about what that means for Javante Williams and maybe what that means for the offense.
1: Well, you made the point the other day uh, altogether accurately as uh, is uh, your custom that, Javante Williams will not be available to the Broncos for at least the first month, probably to six weeks of the season, and maybe even beyond that, more toward the middle of the season. And I think this signing uh, represents a a very – savvy sort of consideration undertaken by the Broncos. I think we both like the Cincinnati Bengals team. We like their head coach. Uh, Their coaching staff is exceptional. The way they built the team, I think, is a model. We talked about the Rams yesterday, who served as a model for short-term success. If you believe you're very close And one or two guys away, maybe a Vaughn Miller, maybe a Jalen Ramsey, maybe a Matthew Stafford, but those aren't long-term considerations. Basically, the Rams gave up a ton of draft picks for the chance to win a Super Bowl. And they took advantage of that opportunity a couple of years ago. Good for them. The Cincinnati Bengals, however have loaded up on first and second round draft choices, an abundance of draft choices, and their success, I think, can be sustained for a much longer period of time. I think that's the thing And in many ways, I think the Bengals, and this is no knock on the Chiefs or the Bills or the Ravens uh, or any of the other quote-unquote contenders in the American Football Conference – but I think the Cincinnati Bengals have built their team in much the same fashion that the Broncos would hope to build theirs. And there have been false starts here in Denver, as we know along the way. I agree with you um, on this player. He, I thought was fresher late in the season and during the playoffs than Mixon was. Mixon is one of my favorite running backs yeah. in all of football. But this guy has a Tony Pollard vibe about him, right? And there are some who believe in Dallas that Pollard is superior in many ways to Ezekiel Elliott. I, I also, think, I think a victim point, of wear and tear. He kind of is. I think. So at this I, point, I think uh, of of this player as the AFC equivalent of tony pollard in a lot of ways ideal not, age, a, not a lot of not a lot of he, tread on the tire
0: right uh career high 38 catches last year so you know he catches out of the backfield the guy that you, you can use to run that you can use to catch it, it's entirely possible for broncos fans this is your featured back for the majority of the year i, I suspect that is probably very well the case. could be
1: for yeah. a majority of the year yes now uh We'll get into this more later. Uh, we've had a lot of uh, square pegs being fit into round holes in recent years. Oh, goodness. And uh, it is apparent now that the Broncos, who have historically not necessarily paid Running backs, certainly that's been true recently. They haven't paid tight ends. They haven't paid cornerbacks, although they will have to pay Patrick uh, most certainly. Yeah.
0: They better be getting that money ready now.
1: And I don't think Purim breaks the bank, but at the same time, he's a viable alternative. And and listen, Murray played for Peyton right in New Orleans, and I thought Murray was one of the few success stories that the Broncos could boast of in 2022. I thought, especially when Williams went down and Gordon went out for good, they let him go, that Murray was both productive and a conscience of sorts for a team that had fallen apart. He was the peacemaker when the Broncos fought on the sidelines on Christmas Day in Los Angeles. It just feels if he stepped and, in, you and had the adult I liked in the, the room combination vibe. of those yep. two. I I won't say thunder and lightning because that's an overused term in relation to uh, certain running back combinations, but I think stylistically they're a little different and each getting 10 to 15 carries a game seems like a reasonable backup plan to me. Knowing that they won't, at least for the first month to six weeks of the season, have Devonte Williams, and
0: I think, quite frankly, Sandy, that that is being—and
1: I said at least—I yeah, think <laughs> that's
0: being stunningly optimistic because I I think there is a possibility at this stage that Devonte Williams doesn't play this season. I think it's going to be closer to missing eleven games or more. But the, the are combination you basing of- that on? Uh, there's those books I've kind of talked to about Talking about that situation. And, yet. and,
1: and uh, listen, and, and, uh, I, I know no two injuries are exactly right. alike. But this remember, one, this was not at just this time last year, there were people wondering why Jamal Murray was not coming back. Right. Any day now.
0: Not right. All right. All A year ago are this time. Not only ACL tears. I- I'm are the
1: thinking same. that if Murray needed at least. 13, 14 months, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why wouldn't Javante Williams, in a collision sport, with by the as way as a running a back, worse need injury? at least thirteen to fourteen months? Injury.
0: An injury that was more damage than just the ACL. And and uh, the Broncos. Part of the reason I suggest that this may not go all that quick is because the Broncos understand. I think what they have in Javante Williams, they have potentially a, a special
1: back. I agree, and that's the word I attached from the day they drafted him. I thought he was special, and I thought he should have started from day one. Um, Vic Fangio and his staff and their infinite wisdom uh, chose not only to um, leave Williams, at least at the outset of 2021, behind Melvin Gordon, but at the same time identified Patrick Sertan as only their fourth best Mm -hmm. cornerback. And now there are people who feel, um, I don't necessarily agree with this, but evidence supports a position different from mine, that Patrick Sertan will be uh, a multi-year All-Pro.
0: Yeah, yes. I I mean, I think Patrick Sertan has a Hall of Fame ceiling. I mean, that's a long, long, long way to go before that. But you look look at some players in their first couple years, and you realize, okay, that person is not going to be a Hall of Famer. Patrick Sertan has the could be. Javante Williams' is, situation is different, obviously, and you're talking about a guy that's important. But the Broncos, I think, understand that this year, and I, I understand they want to speed things up with Russell Wilson. You don't know how long Russell Wilson is going to remain a viable quarterback. But I think Deshaun Sean Payton is smart enough that he's walking into a situation he goes, look, we're not going to the Super Bowl this year. I, I, we just watched the Kansas City Chiefs there in our division. We're not anywhere near these guys. So, all of that together just indicates that there would be no reason whatsoever to rush Javante Williams back that the Broncos playoff window might be slightly open to a wild card this year maybe if everything goes right if everything with Peyton and Wilson clicks maybe but it's really let's and if be honest the Chargers and Raiders are both bad right. maybe but 2024 if i'm if i'm Sean Payton and i'm looking realistically at this and i'm taking the checks from the new ownership and all their money. And they're saying, what do you think we're really looking at? If I'm Sean Payton, I look at this and I say, we can, we can start contending in 2024. Not this year, not this year. There's too much work to be done. And if there's too much work to be done and you're not going to be a contender, why rush Javante Williams back? We know that when you're talking about running backs and even without the injury, there's only so much tread on the tires. And once it's worn, it's worn. So even though the Melvin Gordon situation with, with, Vic Fangio was strange. In a manner of speaking, it may have ended up giving Javante Williams a longer potential at a prime. And so I think the Broncos understand that in this case with Williams, look, you can get the job done with Samaje Pirine, with Latavius Murray. Are you going to have some 1,300-yard rusher? No, you're not. But can you effectively run and can you effectively pass catch out of the backfield with that pair? Yes, you can. But if you no, you're not going anywhere when it comes to playoffs, then why are you rushing back the potentially special player, knowing that a second injury to that area might remove what's special about Javante Williams forever. I don't touch it. I don't even consider it. If he's not great, if I'm the Broncos, I don't even play him this season. I am not kidding. I don't even play him. I don't worry about it. 2024 is the window for me. When it comes to Javante Williams, and, and I think Samajah Pirine, I like your comparison. To I don't think he's quite as good as Tony Pollard, but I but oh no,
1: I, I'm not saying he's as good. But, but, but I'm saying in see, relation to Mixon.
0: I see your point. He, he, he's the backup that at many times was outperforming the yeah, guy ahead he, of he's him.
1: He's kind of where Pollard was not this past year, but maybe, but year maybe a year before that, I, or I can or see that two years before that, 2020, 2021, and and Pirine is. I think a back who can both be effective running inside and outside. And in this scheme where you know that there will be counters, you know that there will be power runs, and you know that the guards will be pulling all the time, which may make Dalton Reisner feel even worse about being forced out of Denver because in fairness to Dalton Reisner, I think the fact that the Broncos pulled their guards and even Garrett Bowles mm-hmm. so infrequently did Reisner and Bowles in particular a disservice. I think that's I think that's fair. And
0: I think you are going to see a little more uh, and I think aggression. the guards
1: now that they have including powers and maybe even minors can pull some and both are good run blockers as guards need to be. So I, I think the running game uh, will look a little different. The interesting thing, and we'll get to this. I'm just throwing this out as an observation and I will, try to defend the position I'm taking maybe a little bit later on in the program. Okay, But my question to you would be, and to our listeners, didn't Russell Wilson want to escape an mm-hmm. attack based on a quote unquote balanced offense in Seattle? Isn't that what he was trying to get away Let from? Cook, right. Let Russ cook.
0: That was the idea. And that's going to be one of the major factors of this offseason. How do Sean Payton and Russell Wilson get, on the same page. And uh Sandy mentioned, of course, uh uh callers, texters You can join us on the show at 303-831-1340. And we're not gonna avoid the NFL elephant in the room. Uh Aaron Rodgers, in a very unique fashion, has decided that he wants to join the Jets.
1: So at this point, as I sit here, you know, I think since Friday. Uh, I made it clear that my intention was to play and my intention was to play for the New York Jets. Okay. Um, And I haven't been holding anything up at this point. It's been compensation that the Packers are trying to get uh, for me. and.
0: So that was Aaron Rodgers on the Pat McAfee show, of course, where he announces everything, right? You know, whether he's going to do his darkness retreat or whatever sort of thing he's going to do. The
1: Packers are still asking for a Matthew Stafford type package. I, and here's the thing. In I, exchange. And I imagine I would, the Jets
0: will pay it. I would, because here's the thing that Rodgers, Rodgers is doing this in a sort of genius fashion. And it actually, I mean, it's sort of the odd genius fashion, but. We know how quarterback desperate the Jets are. We know that the Jets don't have a plan B. It's been Aaron Rodgers or bust. And now Rodgers basically lets out to the fan base, oh, yeah, my plan is to play for the Jets. Now it's up to ownership to get it done. And if it doesn't, enjoy the fan riot, right? So, I mean, he's basically forced the Jets to pay whatever it takes to get him. He's reportedly also wanted them to sign Odell Beckham Jr. to bring him. Correct. Maybe bring Randall Cobb over as
1: well. And they already signed one of his favorite receivers from Green Bay. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. They've already done that. They've already done that. They so added it's Nathaniel clear. Hackett, who,
0: by the way, in that in that same interview, Rodgers mentioned is one of the primary reasons that he's going to the Jets because Nathaniel Hackett, he said, has meant as much to him as any coach. Now, obviously, yeah, what we've seen from Nathaniel Hackett. Hackett's presence it's pretty much,
1: clearly is not enough. Uh, no, no.
0: By, uh, by itself. Too. And if you're the Packers, though, you just got handed an immense gift. uh, Of course. uh, Of course. You now can demand anything you want from the Jets and they have to pay
1: it. Oh, sure. Anything. No. And it will be a Stafford like package Uh, and it will make, as we suggested the other day, it will make the Jets. I mean, they're giving up picks, right? Right. Players who don't currently play for the Jets. Now, there, there may be some veterans. But there may be a Matthew Stafford, Russell Wilson type of package. Yeah. There may be some existing players involved. But at the same time, I think Rogers is going to call out the Packers if they get to the point of being ridiculous. Yes. I think they and will. say you know, fellas, I can always retire and you, and you won't get, get a th- damn
0: thing. Right. There, there is there is a little bit of uh, gamesmanship there and brinksmanship there, but the the, the deal's going to get done. The Packers are going to get a lot. Aaron Rodgers is going to the Jets and the AFC becomes conceivably more loaded. Jets
1: are a contender now.
0: So all of a sudden, the Jets who actually played like a contender, except they just couldn't find anyone to play quarterback, the rest of the team was actually pretty good. Well, they know th- th- that Zach Wilson cannot play they, they cannot and it wouldn't shock me if he was part of that package just for oh, of Packers course to throw of wilson course he's and, a backup and jordan love together and say i don't know he's one saying, of you guys sorted out well
1: i i i would quibble with that to the extent that i think they're committed to jordan love and zach wilson would be uh he's your back the lock there you go of yeah. this trade package
0: you just you just he's your backup you, you know his salary is cost controlled something happens great whatever you know off he goes um the, that changes the trajectory, though, for the Denver Broncos as well. I mean, look at now who you're trying to climb over.
1: How I mean, about is,
0: a balance of bu- power Buffalo. shift? I mean, look at the AFC, an AFC that was already stronger than the NFC. The AFC East alone has the Bills, now the Jets. You have Rodgers and Allen in there. By the way, we know about the injury situation. Tua Tagovailoa oh, was playing like an MVP caliber quarterback for Before part of the Before he was just driven out of the lineup for a variety of injuries. Right. So, and, you know, who knows? I never discount uh, the Patriots, necessarily. Uh, they're obviously, the, the they've dropped to the bottom, but you can't get rid of them. They're certainly they're certainly not any worse than the Denver Broncos. And now you're talking about uh, a, a Browns team that still believes they can put something behind Deshaun Watson. We already talked about the Bengals. If the Ravens, who I think will keep Lamar Jackson, I think right. the Ravens are just letting Jamar, Lamar Jackson shop, and then they're going to come back and say, okay, that's what your market value and, is. And the we'll Ravens
1: may be on the right side of this argument, believing that, Lamar Jackson is a fit with certain types of teams and there are some who I think foolishly argue that Lamar Jackson would have been better for the Jets than Aaron Rodgers. I don't believe
0: that. I don't think that either.
1: Um, Lamar Jackson is a terrific football player, but he isn't as a quarterback suitable for everyone. Right. You have to run a certain offense. You
0: have to commit to that offense. You have to build the offense around it. You have to also have an understanding that you're taking on an injury risk because if Lamar Jackson is not a runner, then he can't you do, know what? he can't
1: do what he does to He's be. He's more of an injury risk than Rogers. Yes. Even though Rodgers is much older. Yes,
0: I agree with that entirely. So I mean, you look at the 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 quarterbacks in the AFC and the teams in the AFC. I mean Burrow, Herbert, right. Burrow Mahomes, Herbert, Mahomes. go
1: on and on and on. I think Trevor Lawrence belongs in that category.
0: I th- I think the Jaguars, when you look at their what they've done in the Jacksonville's the well, team to beat Jacksonville herself. is about to make a leap, I think. I think they're about to make a leap forward, and I think there's a very good question to be asked about the Broncos why they decided to go with the Nathaniel Hackett instead of grabbing Doug Peterson. But, well, that, th- obviously, that,
1: that... Doug Peterson is a particular favorite of ours, and yes. we acknowledge that. And quarterbacks. But <laughs> the two coaches that we both liked last year were never interviewed by the Broncos, and I speak of Brian Dable and Doug Peterson. Right, both seem to do pretty well. Well, and Brian you. Dable, coach of the year, pretty much. And I thought if it was just a matter of looking at the AFC, Doug Peterson. Yes,
0: I, I, I would. I would say that would, would got him into the, the playoffs.
1: Sure. They sure. won a playoff game, and I, uh, to me, he was the coach of the year in the AFC. The AFC landscape is
0: dramatically changing by the minute, and it makes the Broncos climb harder. The Avalanche are trying to climb back into things as well as they're on the road. They will face off in Toronto in a couple hours. We'll check in with what they will do after the injury to Arturi Lekinen. And what's going on with Alexander Giorgio? Is he just run down? We'll talk about it next on Miley Sports.
1: got a Yankee gang. That made the Yankee have more famous than a Yankee king You should know i bleed blue, but I ain't a crypto But I got a gang of- Walk with my something like 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 In my shoes, my toes are
0: busted. My kitchen says my bread is molded. I gotta Sandy Cluff and Chantro Tar. Presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at SuperBook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy.
1: Got much else
0: Better days are what the avalanche are looking for, for sure, when you're talking about their injury situation. Gets even worse after Arturi and breaks a finger. Although I will say this. If you're going to break a finger, break a finger scoring a goal. Yeah. <laughs> and that
1: appears like to pretty be as we suggested every yesterday. Other, the way right, I mean, really, like
0: <laughs> every other way in hockey to break your finger is worse. Right? I mean, yeah. that is the best possible way to break your finger.
1: And uh, uh, <laughs> so At least there's know, that. Uh, Jared Bednar helped us out with this. Better to break a finger on your top hand than on your lower hand. And he said that was the good news coming out of this. Now, it could be four weeks. It could be six weeks. Um, Four weeks, he's ready for the playoffs. Six weeks, he misses a round, at least a round. Yeah. So, uh, obviously, the hope is it's closer to four uh, than six. But they probably get him back a little more comfortably than they got Cadry back in the playoffs. Yeah. And the bright yes, side of this is Cadry was playing injured. It's a, it's a, it's a break. It's played not, well, it's not muscular.
0: When it's healed, it's healed. Yeah. You're not worried right. about re injuring it. You're not that's worried about right. covering for it. Cause you're not trying no, to you know, it, trying to favor it. The way they it's do It's a broken it, bone. When today, it's, healed, it's healed. It's probably stronger than it was. Before <laughs> Quite possibly. Broken. Quite possibly. One one of the, one of these years, watch out. Cause I was actually reading a really fascinating medical article yes i i'm that guy really uh exciting life but i, read, I was reading about
1: it hey, if as, you want to bring one of those guys yeah, I'm, I'm serious about as this as we're getting more and more um on.
0: technology as people are realizing it we're, we're probably a generation away sandy from uh when you break a bone you may just if it's a bad break they may just remove it put it in a 3d scanner yeah print out a stronger than your own bone 3d yeah, printer right. and plug it in. Yeah, and then you're oh, that's, you're good. <laughs> I mean, that's that's, that's coming. what's coming. I yeah. mean, that's people that we deal with kneecaps already. Right, and it's not far from just being right. the way that you know things get done. But uh, obviously, the Aves will have to wait for Leckinen. Uh, Alex Galchenyuk called up Galchenyuk once uh, a high draft pick, just hasn't been able to get it clicking at the NHL level. But if you want some optimism about that, one could have said the same thing about Valerian Nichushkin, uh, not. Not too long ago. A guy that just didn't seem to live up to the to the billing. So, who knows? We'll find out what the Avalanche uh, get done tonight. They will face off at five. But I'm looking a little bit sandy right now at Alexander Georgiev because behind him, until Pavel Frantos becomes healthy again, and nobody seems to know when that is, the cupboard is empty. It is, It is Georgiev or bust. And the Avs are at a weird spot where Jared Bednar might just have to make a decision on... Starting Kincaid. But how do you make what's the better decision? Do you look at a team like like a Toronto right now that's a good team and say, maybe you know what? Maybe this isn't a good matchup for us. Maybe I throw Kincaid in there and we'll probably lose, so be it. But I'll save Georgiev for a game I we feel they can win. Or do you try to look at the other teams on this road trip? I mean, Detroit is on this road trip. They're they're bad. Ottawa's pedestrian and, and try Kincaid at one of those and presume your offense can carry the day. And there's no right answer. These are the things that no. Jared Bednar has to think about.
1: I would suggest in my infinite wisdom. It is nearly infinite actually for the latter. That would be my Go ahead and Play Kincaid against the lesser
0: team and presume yeah. that you can outscore. Yeah.
1: Them. Uh, and, and you've got, uh, now I messed up the schedule yesterday, so I'm going to get it right. Uh, they play Ottawa tomorrow. Yes. This is the first night of a back-to-back. Right. Jared Bednar can get this message. I'm sure we can get it communicated to Oh, yeah. To him. I'm sure. He has a hotline. <laughs> play Georgiev tonight. Yeah. If he doesn't have it and they're getting blasted. I
0: like, I like where you're going.
1: Pull him fast. Pull him? Yep. And either play Georgiev tomorrow or depending on how the backup might play in such a scenario tonight, play the backup again
0: tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, if, if for some reason you had to do that and and you know King K comes in and looks great, I'm like, okay, well then give him a Then you're on out. an
1: every other day schedule yeah. for the balance. Here's of the, the season. Concern. You're not playing on consecutive nights. Here's here's Georgiev's numbers. And
0: over the course of the year, I'll just, I'll just run them just to, I'll just do the beginning of sure. the year. Okay. Eight starts in January, goals against average of 2.39. Eight starts in February, goals against average of 2.45. Now, on the season, he's sitting at 2.65. That's in part because in this month, in six games, the goals against right now is 3.24. Now, that could be a lot of reasons. And we've talked about how the Avalanche's defense has not been able to keep a lot of those high-danger shots in the slot away. Uh, Gurdjieff has been facing a lot of really tough shots to save. And the defense has had a problem with that. When you're missing the bigger guys, you brought up Josh Manson. What you know, Bone Byron and Sam Gerrard are not going to be guys that can necessarily steer a, a big forward out of that, that area. You lose your best four-checker in Lekkinen, your best defensive forward. How much of this, when you're looking at his recent play, is Georgiev, and how much of it is the guys in front of him?
1: Oh, I I, I don't know. I, you know, there are a few extenuating circumstances. Uh, the numbers are what they are, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, giving up all those goals in Dallas, uh, they they were just boat run yeah, yeah. <laughs> in Dallas. I, I mean, they were never in the game. I don't mind the four he gave up the other night, because two of them came when the score was seven to two. So that doesn't matter to me. Okay. Um, you can't pull them obviously when it's seven to two. Although, I I would think more coaches might do that. Of course, if somehow you blew the lead or came close to blowing the lead, the coach would never hear the end of it. That you took out a goaltender, your starter, right, in a seven to two game. And replaced him with a backup, and the backup didn't have it. And it's an impossible position to put the backup in. You know, if he allows a goal or two, then you're you're even at that point you're getting heat. As you win the game eight to four, well, why'd you put the backup in? Right. Uh, But I would say on balance, and this is consistent with, I think the line we both drew last year with Kemper 2.50 goals against or better Mm -hmm. 920 save percentage or better now Georgiev has not hit those numbers exactly and the recent games have something to do with that but just 10 days two weeks ago he was at 920 Mm -hmm. now he was never close to 2.5 but he was around 2.6 and 9.20. And to me, the save percentage is big. He's seen more rubber than Kemper saw last year. Yeah. So the save percentage is more important I, I than mean, goals against average.
0: You can take the stats out of it too and, and maybe incorporate the eye test and I would, I, I just feel and the numbers are, you know, kind of similar as you pointed out and he's faced more shots, but I, I kind of feel as if Georgiev has just been a better goaltender, a more steady accepted. goaltender. I agree with you. we We are
1: in agreement on that. I didn't know that we would be. Yeah, and, 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 and I'm, a, I'm the guy you, that was were, kind of pro Kemper, Kemper keener, last year. You were keener on Kemper last year than I was. Yeah, uh, and especially during the playoffs. You know, we we had mm-hmm. I don't know diametrically opposed but views. But no, but there, we were definitely but on we were, different were sides. We were of on that. different sides. Of we, that. That. we were, and.
0: I I do believe. And they don't win. They don't win. You know, I have
1: friends who watch every game, either in person or on television. Mm -hmm. Watch every game. Watch every bit of every game. And they are not necessarily buying in just yet. Hmm. But I think. For at least some of those people, the standard is Patrick Waugh, and no one can <laughs> meet that standard. Right. You can argue Craig Anderson for a year, Theodore for a year. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand Georgiev hasn't even played one full year here yet, and I'm ordaining him as the best goaltender they've had since I don't disagree Wah. with you. I don't. I think you I you're know right. there are a couple of other guys who, at least for most of the year, were quite good, but just for single seasons. I think this is a guy who can be your starting goaltender. And nobody thought that about Theodore, that he Everyone was, knew they, that was gonna be their a, goaltender for the next five nor, nor years. Nor Kemper, for that matter. And Kemper wasn't thought of that way. Craig Anderson wasn't thought of that way. Um, you know, Kemper's still in the league and having a decent year. Although his team won't make the playoffs, doesn't appear as if right. Washington will make the playoffs. And um, you know, I suppose we could uh, uh, have argued uh, for uh, Grubauer,
0: right? A guy that you maybe right. thought might have been the might been have the been season. the guy, and you know what, might have been the guy, and the Avalanche would have liked him to be, and but he. Wanted to take a you few know, more with, bucks to go with to with Seattle. Grubauer, so
1: since it. leaving, it's been mixed. He was terrible last year. He's been good this year. Uh, Seattle was just moved out of the top three in the Pacific mm-hmm. last night, but they're still a good bet to make the playoffs with Giorgi. And, and Guevara played
0: well. He has. He has had a good year. And uh, the Kraken, I think, have really surprised. They didn't. They didn't get the uh, massive advantages that the Vegas Golden Knights did when they came no, into the league. No, so but thirty-seven,
1: twenty-three, and seven is a pretty good record. And yeah, that's where Seattle team. is yeah, right now. Good. 81 points. Now, I know they played more games than the Avalanche, but the Avalanche have 80 points. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing about And Jordan Seattle's Gave. won two yeah.
0: of the three games against, against the, the abs. You're given in, in in wins and losses, and I think this is where you get, you know, he's 27 years old, which uh, is, is, and hasn't actually had a chance to play a lot. So to a certain extent, you're talking about a guy that is a relatively young goaltender in that term. Not heavily NHL experienced, uh, he, he was expected to be Hendrik Lundqvist' eventual Successful. replacement, yeah. and uh, by then Shosterski just appeared out of nowhere and, hello, I'm maybe the best goalie in the league at 21. How's it going?
1: Right, and uh, what do you do? But, but best goaltender in the league, best goaltender in the world.
0: Yeah, yeah possibly Vasilevsky. Vasilevsky's right obviously. there. But you're talking about a you know situation where obviously you end up Georgiev and you didn't expect to have to move him, but they move him. Right, but in losses. And Georgiev's had 14 of them. Goals against is 4.03. That's, right. bad. that's bad. Even for the losses. That's bad. But, taking into account the good, the 29 wins. Where does that rank in the league? That's top five, top mm-hmm. ten. And when he wins? In wins. Goals against, 1.8.
1: Yeah. 1.80. That's, well, important. <laughs> he's a, he's that's important. He's an important uh, figure, that's especially elite. on a team riddled with injuries. injuries. And
0: so, I, I, I think... Watching him and watching him in this road trip is probably the single most important thing for me for the rest of the year. I want to see him McKinney tonight. I do want to yeah. see
1: him tonight because I think they'll need him tonight. He'll that's, have to be the best goaltender in the game tonight for the Avalanche to win the game tonight in Toronto. Toronto is clearly the best team they face in their remaining game. At home,
0: 24-7-4. and four. I mean, this is a this is a They're good, a powerhouse. That's a very good Maple Leafs
1: team. And... and yeah, Talk about right. a boat running or boat racing a team. That's kind of what Toronto did to the avalanche when they met earlier in the year.
0: The Avs, curiously, by the way, you might be surprised to know that at least in the wins and losses, not taking the overtimes into account, actually have a better road record than home record by one game. And they do. They have the 1911. Uh, that and does one, not surprise me. 1811 uh, and five. But it's also should hearten, I think, Avs fans to think about where the seeding is going to matter in the playoffs. It's not seeding. It's health. Health.
1: Well, that's right, and if they have to play, let's say the Wild, who, by the way, have not lost a regulation game in their last ten, they're seven zero and three. Yeah, nobody in the league is any hotter right now than the Minnesota Wild. So catching them for second, and but the Azure four even points behind them. Considering maybe you have a right better there. chance to catch Dallas. Than you do to catch Minnesota based on recent form. Dallas is 7-2-1 in its last 10 games. But there's only a three-point deficit uh, between Dallas and Minnesota for first and second. Uh, The Avs, yes, they have games in hand. But they're four points back of the wild and seven points uh, behind Dallas uh, based on current form. Now, I know they've lost Kiprasov in Minnesota. Yes. But he's missed a game or two. And they've kept on winning or at least not losing in regulation. And if you don't lose in regulation, you're getting a point.
0: Light schedule in the NHL tonight. The abs will take on Toronto. That'll be on TNT, by the way, national broadcast. For those who can't actually get altitude, which is still a whole bunch of you. So they'll be on TNT tonight, but only four games on the schedule. But the one that follows them on TNT, an important one for the abs as well. Minnesota will take on the blues in St. Louis. So that's an, that's an interesting one to watch too. If you want to kind of tuck in and watch some hockey before all the basketball uh, kicks yeah. off tomorrow. Yeah, I agree. Uh, those are two very valuable games for the Colorado I mean, Avalanche I, and how they perform in it. You're it's exactly be interesting. Right.
1: And uh, I, uh, to me, this game tonight is fascinating. Uh, the Avalanche won the Stanley Cup last year. They went into Toronto and were embarrassed by the Maple Leafs. The last time they were in Toronto, the Maple Leafs embarrassed them, and that was last year. Uh, I, I, I think we went over the uh, 538 odds yesterday in probabilities. Right. Uh, Toronto's at five percent. There are only four teams, as judged by five thirty-eight, to have a better chance to win the Stanley of course, Cup. One of them is, and the Avalanche are one of those teams. Yep. Uh, Vegas at six percent, Carolina at eleven percent. I watched them play Winnipeg last night, and and they are real good. And last night wasn't one of their better defensive games. wasn't one of their better goaltending efforts either. And they won five three. Uh, Avs at 15%, Bruins at 32%. Although the Bruins were blown out by the Blackhawks last night. It happens. And the Bruins have (laughs) lost a couple of games in a row, and they're kind of stuck on 50. I don't think they've lost two regulation games in a row all year long. I'm pretty sure they haven't. And, you know, they're still way ahead in their division. They're still going to have home ice throughout the course of the Stanley Cup playoffs. But it it shows that it's it's really all about peaking and, as you suggested, most importantly, good health good going health. into the playoffs.
0: Well, the CU Buffaloes got a little healthier. This time they uh, were able to bring out their most of their starters and ended up winning their NIT opener. We'll talk about that. And we'll hear from Deion Sanders crowing about the Buff standing in the college football world when it comes to the spring game. We'll do that next on Mile High Sports.
1: Bring it right
0: back when we'll say, I love you. Sandy Clough, and Sean Drotar. Weekdays 2 to 4 or on demand anytime in our mobile app. This is High Sports. The Colorado Buffaloes, who who, by the way, for people who didn't know, for a a long time the NIT was the more prestigious tournament. Uh, uh, And for a long time, even into the early 1950s, the NIT winner was often considered to be the national champion. The University of Colorado was in the finals of the very first NIT in 1938. They won it in 1940. The CEO Buffs have a national championship in basketball. It actually has happened. It's been a while, obviously. You're talking pre-World War II. But anyway, uh, they, they have one. They're back in the NIT. And we talked about this yesterday before the game, Sandy, how important it was going to be for the Buffs to go out. If, if they're ready to build with the recruits that are coming in for next year, three of the ESPN Top 150 recruits coming in to Boulder. They need to do what a lot of teams don't do, take this tournament seriously. This needs to be your opportunity to say, we're coming. We're coming. And they got it done last night against Seton Hall. They win 65-64 against the Seton Hall team that also seemed interested in the game's outcome. Mm-hmm. You've seen NIT teams pop in. They're like,
1: "Man, this was a good game. Well, let's remember, the head coach at Seton Hall was the same coach who led St. Peter's last year in the NCAA tournament on a somewhat astonishing run. Not all the way to the final four, but close. Yeah. And after the tournament, he took the Seton Hall job. So this is someone who takes postseason basketball seriously, and it is something that the Colorado players have not always done Correct. apart from times they've been in the, the NCAA tournament. Tad Boyle. Yes, times. yes. And I think Tad has been disappointed in that. But although they didn't always play well last night, and for a while it looked like a six-point lead with a little bit more than three minutes to go would disappear and they would lose, last night they were the ones who, coming out of a timeout, made the last second offensive play, not only did Tad call a wonderful play and designed it in the huddle, but they executed it. And Julian Hammond got a layup coming from the left. Uh, Again, a beautifully designed play, an easy layup, and I understand they missed some Bunnies down the stretch. The only shot. The only shot so you couldn't take 9%. it for granted. You couldn't take it for granted, but it was uh, uh pretty clearly uh uncontested layup, pretty much uncontested. So they take the lead by a point, but then they have to defend right. over the last 15 seconds or so of the game, and they successfully do that. They force a bad shot uh in the final seconds, uh the rebounds batted around, Colorado finally Uh, Gains possession, I think it was right. And, uh, of course, they've got two transfers from the Ivy League coming off their bench. Mm -hmm. One's from Princeton, that's right, and one's from Yale. And, at least academically, they have the smartest bench in all of college basketball. And uh, Tad has used these players very well. And Wright was a big difference maker last night coming off the bench. Can, yeah. The Silva played well. Silva was good. Sean uh, wasn't falling, but he played well. No, uh, but he hit a key three pointer mm-hmm. in the final three for six from three, four, four, five four five minutes 16 the on the
0: night. Yeah. Uh, Ethan Wright, uh, 26 minutes off the bench, five for nine, four for six from three. Yes. He was, uh, he the was a difference scoring with 18 right. and. One of the reasons that he he w- was effective, and this was an important part of this game, when you're talking about a one-point game for the Buffs, uh, he led them in free-throw attempts because yes. he was trying to get to yes. the basket. And that's something that at times with this, with this Buffs team, we've seen them, they're a pretty good shooting team. They shot 55% from three. Yeah.
1: but uh, They had a hot night right. from three-point they, they are normally not, not a not great three-point shooting good. team. They are not a good foul shooting team. And yet, we saw them last to night to get, get to the line, line a little bit. And they shot for the free ball
0: extraordinarily. And 13-15, 81% is a team, right? Four for four in that case. So, I mean, they, they end up getting past that, and they move on to the second round where they will play the winner of tonight's game. Uh, that will be New
1: Mexico versus Utah Valley. They and I get the winner believe, of the I have this right, if the winner is Utah Valley, and Utah Valley would definitely be the underdog. They are. Utah Valley comes here. Correct. If New Mexico wins, you he plays the at the pit in Albuquerque.
0: Uh, New Mexico week. is the two seed in that region. CU is the three seed. So yes. you are exactly right. That would be where that goes. Uh, but an opportunity for them to continue
1: uh, making a statement but as they go in. But a good place to test yourself. It really is. And it gives Tad more practice time with these people. Uh, I believe Da Silva is coming back next year to join the three recruits. You get a five-star, four-star, and a three-star. All three will start. Immediately, Da Immediately. No Immediately, Silva will start. Obviously, and we'll see what happens. Uh, I've been impressed with the development of Lovering uh, this year. His hands aren't great, but he seems more comfortable on the offensive end of the floor. And you've got a big and he's a rim protector he's a big body. on defense. Seven
0: one yeah, you know, a slender, of course, like a lot of the seven one, two twenty five, but that'll fill out a little bit. But
1: seven one is seven one,
0: and and he's willing to be a rim
1: protector. And again, uh, particularly if they have talent around him next year, they can go small. Against most teams, you can go small, right? And if he gives you twenty to twenty five minutes a game, you don't worry about his foul trouble because he's not playing enough and you're not relying on him to the extent that foul trouble would ever be an issue. He can play more comfortably. He can play more aggressively and, you know, sure. I'd like to see him improve his foul shooting. Um, I'd like to see him catch the ball a little more often, but he's much less mistake prone than he was last year before he got hurt. And remember, he's coming off a knee injury of some significance. Um, So, Tad is a believer in recruiting your own players and developing them. Uh, He's relied a bit on the portal, but really for depth purposes, rather than trying to find somebody who's going to come in and start. And listen, uh, Kansas uh, brought in Kevin McCullough this year from Texas Tech who was a starter on a very good Texas Tech team, and they started him. That's not what Tad does, and I don't think Kansas is overly reliant on the transfer portal, but Colorado, I think, has the right idea for Colorado. You bring in, as I say, a couple of the Ivy Leaguers uh, who know how to play, they're smart players, and they're tough, and they know what's needed, and they're unselfish. They're team guys, and that's the right way to use the transfer portal for a school like Colorado. And next year, for the first time under Tad Boyle, and I believe for the first time since Tad became a head coach, they have a five-star recruit coming in.
0: Right. Uh, it's going to be obviously a very exciting opportunity there. And things are looking up in Boulder as as they get, uh, you know, before we sneak out of here, we'll want to uh, touch on, well, Coach Prime oh, yes. up there, look, the, 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 Buffs have sold out 35,000 season tickets for the spring game. And uh, if you don't know where to find them on TV, uh, Prime will tell you.
1: Appreciate you. I adore you. I love you. Why? Because the spring game has been announced. That we're on ESPN. The only college football team that's on ESPN. Now, not two, not Not ESPN Plus or whatever you call it. But I thank you. And I appreciate you. Appreciate that.
0: Okay. He's right. You know who's on ESPN 2 spring game? Georgia. You know, defending Georgia is the defending champs. champs. Two times over. <laughs> Two ten time ten defending time champs. Defending They're on ESPN 2. The buffs are going to be on ESPN. Remarkable time at the moment to be <laughs> up in Boulder as things are really starting their sea change in the way that athletics are, are, are progressing there. It really is going to be fascinating to see uh, how that that goes. Uh, the 180 direction that Deion Sanders has brought that program without even coaching a game is almost shocking. And uh, again, for, for a, a CU leadership group that has been reticent to commit to athletics in recent years, it's nice to see them not only do it but also get an immediate return on the investment because both of these programs have turning themselves around and if they do they are major major money makers for the university so i mean obviously that's a big deal want to thank our friends at burnham law by the way 720828457001 if you want a winner of course you do this is the place to call their personal injury attorneys have years of experience fighting for their clients, locations all over Fort Collins, Boulder, Westminster, Cherry Creek, the DTC, where we are, Colorado Springs, and even in Cheyenne. So when you're injured, they push for you to get your maximum recovery settlements, the best, but if you have to go to trial, they're ready for that too. They will fight for you. So when you're injured, don't go on TV and follow someone's that just keeps you on the commercial for 30 seconds, go someplace where people win and get you the maximum for your recovery. Those are our friends burnham law check them out at burnham or call it 720-845-7001 we turn our attention to the denver nuggets who of course are on their own eastern road swing and we will bring in our own nuggets reporter from mile high sports ryan blackburn next 80
1: percent clear, be 100 clear because ryan was ill who would have thought he'd be the one that set the western flames and i heard him wreck it with the crystal method name of the game